Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Mam- from sorry, excuse me, from Manhattan to Nueva York and everywhere in between. Stumbled a little bit over on those uh, those titles, but those are across the Spider Verse references for those that you may have seen them. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, but enough of my rambling. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, not Spider-Verse for me, but I've heard nothing but absolutely amazing things. Uh, I was occupied this weekend, could not get out to see it, um, but uh, it seems seems like it's pretty good, and I think we'll be talking about it uh, later. Yes, I am going to uh, be giving a spoiler-free review reaction of Across the Spider-Verse, because I was able to see it um, just last night, so it's very fresh in my brain still. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that a little, little bit later. Um, again, two weeks in a row, pretty light weeks for news. I think this, we're in the part of the, uh, part of the year when things maybe start slowing down a little bit because a lot of studios, uh, instead of announcing things, they just go to promoting things like movies that they already have coming out, blockbusters that are scheduled for the summer. Um, check out last week's summer box office movie preview that we did. If you want to hear about, uh, some giant, uh, nerdy or nerdy tangential films that are coming out this summer. Uh, but I think uh, studios are shifting more into promotion mode and saving some of what they do have to announce. They're going to save for something like San Diego Comic-Con uh, coming up in about a month or a little over a month, I think. Right? Didn't we say it's like the 20-something of July? Yeah, I think so. Week, whatever. Um, and who knows how much stuff we're going to get or how many, uh, you know, who knows what, things like Comic-Con are going to look like when we're still in the seemingly early days of the WGA strike, the Writers Guild strike still going on. We do have a Strike Watch update for you to kick things off uh, today. This week in Strike Watch, the Directors Guild of America reached a tentative deal with Hollywood Studios um, to satisfy their unions and their demands and all those things. So appears that the Directors Guild will not be joining the Writers Guild in a strike. Writers Guild issued a statement that congratulated them, but also kind of admits that it doesn't really help their cause at all. Um, obviously, the more unions that they can uh, get to go on strike, op- puts more pressure on the studios. Um, one, uh, somebody who's quoted in the, the Deadline article uh, from the WGA saying that the WGA takes a stand, the DGA reaps the reward. So basically saying kind of that the Directors Guild kind of used the fact that the writers are on strike as leverage to get more of what they wanted in their negotiations without actually having to go on strike themselves. Um, uh, one of the, um, I don't know if he's, I, I don't, this guy's Mike something, I don't know his last name, he's a talking head he is out in front doing interviews about the writer strike he's a representative of the writers guild he might be one of the heads of it or certainly is mm-hmm. um a voice for it um he it was pointed out on twitter that weeks ago he had he had said something like his prediction for the directors guild if they make a deal it's going to be hailed as like a quote historic literally in his tweet said 
going to be called an historic deal in order to put more pressure on the writers to cave and go back to negotiations. All oh, the directors made this historic deal. So like we're waiting on you guys. It's all on you. Um, and lo and behold, <laughs> what is the title of the deadline article? Except DGA reaches historic deal <laughs> with like literally use the exact phrasing that this guy uh, from the WGA predicted that they would use. So uh, things are kind of falling into place. Um, and now all eyes are turning to the Screen Actors Guild, um, who resume negotiations this week. And I think that the deadline they had they had issued a vote, an authorized a vote on whether or not to strike. And I think the deadline to vote is Monday or something I saw. So like last minute votes are coming in. They're gonna resume negotiations this week, and if a strike is necessary then they will strike and join the Writers Guild, and then nothing, nothing is getting made anywhere, ever. Um, so that's where we are with the with the strike. I was, I was listening to a podcast that's not, does you know, the people on it were, I think they're members of actors' guilds and writers' guilds and things, but they, they right. weren't, certainly weren't talking about it, but the topic came up, and one of them made a point that apparently, if you, if you were your own studio you can make a deal right now like you can make your own deal you don't have there's like there's no union of studios you know what i mean right like the studios agree and the the union has to agree but there's no like one entity representing you know sony and netflix and right so you have to come up with a deal technically with everyone disney yeah so like disney if they wanted could make their own deal with the writers and that would just be it and they could keep they could go on and apparently this person on this podcast was saying that they had thought that was a possibility um but it's looking less and less likely as the the days go on uh, apparently um during the strike of 2007-2008 uh david letterman who owned his own corporation his own studio he was not owned by his show i guess was not owned by cbs it was on cbs oh. but like he owned it he actually made his own deal and he just said we'll do whatever Whatever the end result is, we will abide by that. So that was enough of them to make a deal, and so he could continue making his show. And, and uh, as opposed to somebody like Conan, who just you know did entire episodes of him like flicking a quarter <laughs> and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is also um, a show of solidarity in his own right. So, so who knows if you know the pressure pressure on Marvel gets too great, we may yeah. see uh, Disney making their own deal. Who knows? Who knows? No, I mean, at the same time, though, when you when you think of like the Marvel thing, maybe if this does push some things farther, that's what we need for a little space. I I mean, we were talking about when the pandemic hit, how you were burnt out and I was getting close to burnt out with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. And then it went away and WandaVision came back and we're like, oh, this is kind of fresh again. Like maybe yeah, a little, but now maybe the but now we're right back into a place where there's a ton of movies and tons of shows at the same oh, yeah. time and but now like the fact that either whether it's a strike or you know Bob Iger came right out and said we're going to do less of this it's too much mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so that has slowed things down right. absence makes the heart grow fonder yeah for sure and like you know there's still the movies haven't slowed I don't think yet but the fact that you know, there hasn't been a Marvel show since She-Hulk, right? That was the last Marvel show. That was last summer. Yeah. All right? 
that feels that's 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 a good break for me yeah like i feel like right now i'm like i'm ready for secret invasion at the end of this month right for sure because it's been a while yep and secret invasion looks great so uh i'm excited about that but like for a while it was like you know right after whatever moon knight is immediately ms marvel starts the next week and right after that bam she hulk starts and that's like yo i need a break from this so um Regardless, whether it's budgetary, whether it's Bob Iger, whether it's strikes, I'm all for a break in Marvel stuff. More Marvel chat um, in a little bit, including uh, my reaction to Across the Spider-Verse. But right now we're moving on to, I feel like from now on, any time we do this could be the last episode. Or sorry, the last uh, time that we do Flash Watch. Flash Watch. This is a pretty big one, I gotta say. Pretty big Flash update. And I wasn't thinking that we were going to get too many more big flash watches as we got close to the movie. Just like, you know, movie's going to come out. That's going to be it. Uh, movie comes out on June 16th. So we're only mere weeks away. I'm very excited for it. I think I have to go see it on Thursday, the Thursday before it comes out because my schedule that weekend is rough. So um, I don't know, Steve. What are you doing Thursday, the 15th of June <laughs> in the evening? Probably going to see Flash. Let me know. Let me know. Maybe we can get a group together. There you go. Um, apparently, and we remember that uh, when, back when this movie was suddenly back up in the air as to whether or not it was going to be released when Ezra Miller was going through the, um, the, the heaviest days of their mental health issues and causing problems left and right in Hawaii and all over the place, really. Uh, what seemed to rein them in and get them to, uh, you know, start dealing with their mental health struggles was the fact that Warner Brothers and David Zaslav specifically said that they're considering shelving the film mm-hmm. if Ezra Miller uh, can't keep their uh, themselves out of trouble. And for good reason. And now, for good reason. And that would be shocking for a, 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 a studio that spent, you know, $300 million dollars on a movie that everyone says is incredible to just put it on the shelf because the lead actor is uh, problematic. Yeah. That'd still be a, that'd be a big waste of money. And we all know David Zaslav likes canceling things. You know, I'm sure maybe they could get a tax write off on it, but I don't know, not as much as they could get if they actually put this movie out. Um, so yeah, they said it was possible that they were going to shelve the movie completely. Now, uh, producer Barbara Muschietti has said that the possibility of shelving the film due to Ezra Miller's mental health struggles and legal struggles was never really on the table at all. And when she was asked about it, she said, not at all. No, that was never real. So I guess they were just kind of, um, strong arming, strong. Yeah, exactly. It was an empty threat, but it worked. (laughs) It worked. Um, got Ezra Miller into some, um, mental health counseling and, uh, Doubling down on that, director Andy Muschietti, which I believe that they are married. They're not just weirdly having the same last name. Uh, Barbara Muschietti uh, is married to director Andy Muschietti. Uh, Andy Muschietti stated that uh, there are currently are there are currently no plans to replace Ezra Miller. Um, should this thing be big enough to get a sequel? When asked about it in a, a um, interview this week, uh, Muschietti said, "If it happens, meaning a sequel. If it happens, yes." I don't think there's anyone that can play that character as well as they did. The other depictions of the character are great, 
but this particular vision of the character, they just excelled in doing it. It feels like a character that was made for them. In principle, photography, Ezra was brilliant and the most committed and the most professional. Ezra gave everything for this role, physically, creatively, emotionally. They were absolutely supreme. And then uh, another statement in regards to Miller's mental health issues. Uh, the duo said, we have a lot of empathy in general for people who need help and especially in mental health issues. That's why they are taking the necessary steps to deal with their recovery and we support them in that. Which is true and admirable, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Everyone wants the best for somebody struggling with mental health issues. So um, apparently these were both empty threats. I mean, I guess they never really came out and said... Ezra's done, you know, because they didn't want to say that because they want people to go see this movie. Um, uh, but interesting to know that, you know, uh, that the he, that they could be moving on should this do as well as people want it to do. Um, uh, and that still remains to be seen. Like I said last week when we were talking about our summer movie preview, it's certainly it's my most anticipated movie of the summer. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be a smash hit or just kind of be like a meh, you know, fizzle out thing. Yeah. And, and who knows? No, one, It's hard to tell. No one knows what the reaction to this is going to be and whether the fact that Ezra has, problemat- has had problems in all recent months, is that going to hurt it? Or the fact that Ezra's not doing press for it, is that going to hurt it? Or is the fact that people are just excited about seeing Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman again? Like, is that enough to put butts in seats? Like, it is for me. Like, that alone is enough for me. But we'll see. Steve, you got any thoughts on the fact that Ezra doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon? Or I, I think they, studios? I think what the big thing is is they'll say this now, and then if the, it, it kind of gives them an out if the verdict is bad or like. Yeah, it, something goes more south, you know. But yep. there wasn't any plans. We're doing it. We're going with him or going with them, uh, and it, it it just seems seems like coach speak. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, because because Ezra Miller's struggles came down to mental health problems, mm-hmm. um, they kind of. You know, it's easy for them to show support, um, especially before the movie comes out. Um, right. And it's easier to ask for forgiveness, I think, in that way. It's not like, you know, they uh, murdered somebody, <laughs> you know, did something, you know, right. like completely unforgiving. You know, everyone or not everyone, but a lot of people struggle with mental health. It's like a relatable thing. It's like a, a real thing it can really affect you. And it's uh, forgivable in the right circumstances as long as, you know, they didn't do anything. Uh, unforgivable so i think you're right i think it all like like we've been saying all all along and like how everyone has been saying i think this movie all comes down to how successful it is if it makes a billion dollars then yeah ezra's not going anywhere and we're definitely gonna get a sequel um but it also like i'm really interested in knowing how this movie ends because james gunn himself has said that this movie sets up the future of the dcu and if Ezra as the Flash is up in the air at all, whether or not they're talking about it publicly, mm-hmm. how does this movie end in a way that gives them leeway to go either way? Or maybe, maybe it doesn't. Maybe they're just, maybe they knew all of Ezra, and if you know if we have to, we'll recast. But whatever. But it just makes me all the more curious to see 
how this movie sets up the DCU movie. Yeah. What is the ending of this movie? What is going to happen? What what's going on? <laughs> like, I just I can't well, there's that's the thing is there's so many things up in the air right now that it's until we start getting some answers, it's just questions upon questions. Yeah, and we're not going to get answers until we see the movie, and until it's been out long enough that people can comment on the movie or on the making of it mm-hmm. or things like that. You know, like now that it's out, we can tell you that this is the plan for this character or whatever moving forward. Now that you've seen the ending, you know that Ezra dies or Barry Allen dies or something, you know, right. whatever it's going to be or disappears into the speed force. Should we need him again, need them again, whatever. So we'll see flash coming out June 16th. My most anticipated movie of the summer swinging from that to my second most anticipated movie of summer, which I've now seen across the Spider-Verse. Oh, Steve, I promise you I'm not going to spoil anything because I know this is your number one most anticipated film yes. of the of the year. You were trying to sneak into a Thursday preview. You didn't end up being No, I was go. trying to figure it out. There was no way I could make the timing work. I had other things yeah. going on that just wasn't going to happen. But yeah, you know, I it, it'll also give me a chance to see if i want to go with my son so sure we'll see uh we'll see where we go has your son seen into the spider-verse nope so that was going to be a start that tomorrow yeah yep um definitely benefit like you certainly could see this movie without seeing into the spider-verse you would certainly appreciate it more having seen into the (laughs) spider-verse Um. All okay. I'm gonna start my my review reaction. All whatever. Right. All yeah. the hype. All the hype that you hear for this movie is is earned and deserved and true. Believe it. It's okay. Great. It's ex- it is exceptional. I I find this movie to be an exceptional piece of art. Um, as bright and animated and poppy and you know popcorny as it is. The execution, the artistry behind this film is exceptional. Exceptional. In a way I haven't seen since Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out. Um, and I don't know, everything that worked in the first one, everything that you doubted they could pull off in the first one, they just doubled down with in the second one in ways that aren't repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's not a, oh, this is kind of rehash of what they did in the first one. No, they move everything forward. They do everything uh, just like in new way. Like they take the things that, they, that you loved about the first one. They double down on them in ways that make them feel new. They don't feel like retreads that are like giving you more of the thing you want in a way that doesn't feel like they are um, half-assing anything at all. They're definitely not half-assing anything in this movie um there were a lot of surprises i realized kind of before like heading into the to the you know or earlier in the day before we went to see the movie i realized all of the all of the press even most of the trailers really kind of focus on look at all these different spider people look at all these different crazy versions of spider-man and spider-woman and spider cat in the trailer or whatever you know like you're getting all these that's kind of the been the focus 
they don't give you any story right. in the trailers at all. And I realized that I was like, wait a second. I don't know what this movie's about. Like other than it seems like there's an antagonistic relationship between Miles and Spider-Man 2099. Like that's what you get in the trailer. And you know, there's a villain called the spot, but he doesn't seem that threatening or whatever. I was like, I don't know what this movie's about. And they're, they're selling it on. Doesn't this look fun and funny that like this Spider-Man's wearing a suit and this Spider-Man's got a bag on his head and this Spider-Man's yeah. a dinosaur. Like, and that's enough to get people excited about going to see a, a movie. But man, if you like, if you didn't see into the Spider Verse, if you just watched this, the trailers for this movie, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to see a fun, wacky movie," the story that they hit you with in this movie would just knock you out. Like you would not be expecting, based oh, on yeah. trailers alone, you would n- having no prior knowledge of Into the Spider Verse. Based on trailers alone, you would be floored by. Well, like the same thing that you would have been floored with into the Spider-Verse, like the depth of the story and the human connection and the human story that is all based around, which is what makes it work in general. Like it's a wild story about people from other universes right. with not only one, it's a story about people with superpowers, which is already, you know, fantastic. Then you bring in multiple universe people with different superpowers. They're all Spider-Man somehow. Like, all that is crazy. The reason that Into the Spider-Verse works is that it's grounded in a human story, in an emotional story that works so well. And it explains everything in a way that you understand. Like, I don't know how they do that, but they did it a second time. They did all of it bigger and, like, more powerful, and they just did it a second time. Um, I was telling you, I saw you earlier tonight, and I was telling you that there's a scene towards the end of this movie that got me emotional. And I was emotional, not like it was an emotional scene between two characters and it was a power. It was powerful. What was being said kind of equivalent to similar to the scene in into the spider verse when miles, dad is talking to him through the door. Yeah. Um, and he's tied up and that's like, that gets me every time I watch into the spider verse. Cause I just equate it to like talking to my own son, you know? Right. Um, there is a mo- one, there's a moment like that that made my wife cry in across the spider verse because it's a similar moment but it's between miles and his mom um which really got my wife like like <laughs> almost uncontrollably right uh emotional um but this scene that i'm talking about at the end it's not one that i personally like identified with but i got emotional and i'm watching it and i realized that i was getting emotional not only because of what they were talking about but because of the what I was watching on screen, like they're doing a thing with the backgrounds where the backgrounds are becoming less and less realistic and more and more like just impressions of what is there. And it was just like, it was just gorgeous. It was just beautiful. I was like, I'm watching a a moving piece of art right now. Like what is happening right now is affecting me. Like the visual of this scene Mm -hmm. is making me emotional more than the content of it. And I can't say that about many movies at all ever that have done that um uh i love all the the characters in this movie are great the ones you remember there's no there's no letdown of the ones you remember uh unfortunately i can confirm that there's no spider-man noir there's no spider-ham and there's no penny parker Uh um so there's i mean there's miles and there's gwen this is almost it's obvious it's a it's a miles movie 
it's almost a Gwen movie. It's almost a Gwen Stacy Spider Woman movie at the same time. Um, there's a lot of attention paid to her and her giving her a great story arc. Um, so look out for that. Uh, Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man 2099, excellent. Certainly an antagonist, not necessarily the villain, but an antagonist for sure, for reasons that are explained in the movie that you don't necessarily see coming. Um, I got to say my favorite addition to the cast probably was Spider-Punk, voiced by uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Loved him. Amazing, amazing. He's like... And they, one of the things they doubled down on is like mixing and matching the animation styles and giving all the main characters their like a, a specific style. Spider-Punk looks like he's drawn on newspaper, like newsprint or like with a marker on like you can see faded lines of newsprint underneath the details of him. It's like just wildly cool. That's it's awesome. so cool. It is so cool. Um, there's cameos galore in this movie. And there are some direct cameo. And when I say cameos, I mean like anything that you could define as a cameo from like Easter eggs maybe is a better Easter egg slash cameos. Obviously, there's Easter eggs all over the place. There are very direct cameos um, that I can't even really describe more than that. (laughs) That will just be very exciting. Um, There were times like my son who hasn't, you know, my son hasn't seen any of the live action Spider-Man movies. He has he's seen like a couple Spider-Man cartoons. He read some Spider-Man books. So like he doesn't he's not as into like the lore of the character. Yeah. So there were so many times when I went, oh, wow. And he would go, what's that? And I had to be like, well, this is like a reference to this thing from blah, blah, blah. So yeah. he didn't really get everything. And he doesn't have to, you know, they're like, they're showing a Spider-Man and I'm like, oh, that's a reference to this thing. You know, so it works for me. But if you don't know, it doesn't, you don't right. know. Um, but still very impressive what they're able to squeeze into, you know, a thing. Speaking of squeezing into it, the one, one negative thing I'll say about this movie, I thought it felt a little long. I think they probably could have trimmed it back a little bit and made it tighter. That being said, I didn't feel like oh when is this going to be over at all i loved every second of it but uh it just felt a little long yep but and that being said the pacing is quick like it doesn't drag at all like they give you a lot right from the beginning it starts with a bang and it doesn't really ever stop um uh and that's i guess i guess i should that's not really all i can say without going into spoiler territory it's great i think i you know i use that app uh letterboxd and then I think the review I wrote something last night I reviewed, I just said, basically it was me saying, wow, oh my God, holy shit, over and over again for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically That's awesome. um, what the experience was. Um, and I really feel like it is an experience more than even just watching a movie. Like, um, I don't know, like the end, it's very, it, the end cranks up the intensity quite a bit. And um, I'm very thankful without giving anything away, I'm very thankful that the third part of this trilogy, Beyond the Spider-Verse, comes out in less than a year. It comes out March 29th, oh, 2024. Wow. And uh, I cannot wait to see that movie based on the way this one ends. That's all, right. all I will say. That's all I will say. So, uh, questions? I'm not going to spoil anything, but is that ever everything you need to know? You don't need to know anything. You were in the bag for this movie. 
Like, right. Yeah. No matter what, I was going to it, so it's not like a yeah. Not like you needed to sell me much, but that all sounds. It sounds like they're hitting the right notes from the beginning, and that they're listening to what worked in the first one, which was yeah. just about everything. But I mean, I. Yeah. I, um, from Steve. Yeah, sorry about that. I, <laughs> it's all right. I, uh, brain just <laughs> not functioning. Um, so into the Spider Verse, uh, I I usually rate in like the top three to five um, comic book movies I've ever seen, probably yeah, top three. Same. And same. Um, if this is carrying that bar or improving that, then. Uh, I don't think there's anything to be, uh, I don't know, tepid on or have questions yeah. about or whatever. I mean, it's, it is, it, I think it's rare that a sequel to an incredible movie can be as equally as incredible. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of times where the first movie's like pretty good, and then the sequel's amazing right you know or the sequel's not as good because they can't recapture the thing this is like you can tell the same team made this movie and like they just you know it's rare that they're like oh yeah no no dip in quality like some people are saying that's better than the first one for me right now it's my second favorite spider-man movie of all time so that's after into the spider-verse and before any any live action spider-man movie before homecoming or spider-man 2 or all that stuff that i love also um so as it's doing very well so far it has uh so far made over 200 million dollars worldwide and is the second has a second highest grossing opening weekend of the year so far behind only super mario brothers mm-hmm. um and that includes movies like ant-man quantumania and guardians of the galaxy volume 3 so you know other live action blockbusters that have come out this year are already being beaten by across the spider-verse so there you go. I would to. highly advise anyone listening to this podcast, if they haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, watch that and then immediately go. This is definitely like a theater movie. Like it's a good yeah. one to see in the in the theater for sure. For sure. That and would be speaking great. of sp- Yeah. Speaking of seeing Spider-Man movies in the theater, we learned this week that there are more Spider movies on the way. Doing press for Into the Spider-Verse. Uh famed infamous renowned spider-man producers amy pascal and avi arad said that there are more spider-man movies on the way live action including a live action miles morales movie is in the works and also an animated spider-woman spin-off movie likely uh revolving around the spider gwen or spider-woman gwen stacy character from into the spider-verse um pascal said you'll see all of it it's all happening and then in regards to the Spider-Woman movie, Avi Arad said, it'll happen sooner than you would expect. I cannot tell you yet, but it's coming. So they're working on more of these. And that's kind of, I was talking with my wife after we saw Across the Spider-Verse. And we're like, okay, they clearly have a plan for Beyond the Spider-Verse, the next one, because right. like they made them making them both at the same time. But both these movies, are they're, I, I don't want this to be something that they run into the ground. Like, you know, Sony has... You know, pension for like that move. No, but if they can fast and if they can take it and you know, find a way to make it a functional trilogy, and like you said, they've already planned it out and recorded most of it. Um, 
you know, it, it's, it's not a bad way to go and a bad way to put a bow on this part of the franchise and then move on to something else or it's just a matter of whether they actually do. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's certainly plenty of characters in this movie that you could, that could, that deserve their own movie. That would be like, I would watch a Peter B. Parker movie. I'd watch a Spider Gwen movie. I'd watch a Spider Ham movie for God's sake. You know, like I'd find there's so many, especially in this new one. Like I would watch a Miguel O'Hara movie tomorrow. Yeah. If they wanted to give me that. Um, So I think that's a way to keep the idea going, but not necessarily like run the Spider Verse Miles franchise into the ground um, before uh, you know. You know, you you don't want uh, to have diminishing returns. You know, you yep. want to move forward when you have a story that you want to tell. Um, also, as far as another Tom Holland Spider-Man movie goes, Amy Pascal said, are we going to make another movie? Of course we are. We're in the process. But the writer's strike, nobody's working during the strike. We're all being supporters. And whatever, whenever they get themselves together, we'll get started. First of all, I think that's a pretty shitty way to describe <laughs> whenever they get themselves together. That's not a great thing to say about the writer's strike. Um, yeah. Hey, you they know, have themselves it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the studios that, you know, aren't, uh, aren't working with them. So, mm-hmm. um, and Tom Holland himself seemed to echo, uh, those statements in an interview he gave this week saying in regards to a fourth appearance of Spider or fourth Spider-Man movie I should say, he said, I can't talk about that, but I can say that we have been having meetings. We put those meetings on pause in solidarity with the writers, but there's been multiple conversations had. And at this point it's very, very early stages. Of course it is. So. Right. Which we knew, so, we knew they weren't going to, you know, uh, leave the golden goose on the shelf for too long. No, wait, of course not. Yeah. Um, so Steve, I um, I started listening to a few episodes of this. There's a podcast called Blank Check, and um, it's two uh, movie people or movie lovers that they they pick a director's filmography. Okay. And the the idea is like this is a like an indie director that blew up on the scene early and then was given a blank check for the rest of their career, you know? So they've done Spielberg and they've done, um, you know, uh, James Cameron and last year. Yeah. Like last year, um, they did Sam Raimi one. Okay. And I started, I, cause I happened to find this podcast, um, when evil dead rise was coming out and they did episodes on the evil dead trilogy. So I listened to all those are great. And now I started today, I started listening to the one on Spider-Man. And it has prompted me to ask you this question. Oh, boy. Um, What was your experience like leading up to seeing the original Spider-Man movie? Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire. Like, were you excited? Like, the hype? Like, what do you, like, remember about, like, seeing it for the first time or impressions of the first time you saw it? Oh God! Looking back on that, like I don't, I don't have any visceral memory of it. It's like really, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what year that was. I think it was like two thousand, early two thousands or something. It was like two thousand and one or two. Uh, no, it came after. It must have been two thousand two because it came after after nine uh, eleven. Yeah, because I believe. They had to like change something. They had something with the World Trade Center and they had to take it out or had to reshoot something. Right. So at that point in time, I think, yeah, May 3rd, 2002. 
Yeah. So I was a senior in high school. And Sounds right. Yeah, I think I yeah. was like freshman in college, sophomore in college, something like that. Yeah, like I remember going to see it and not not having any real visceral reaction to it. Weirdly. Really? Wow, that's a shock. I I would agree. But yeah. like any <laughs> the like the the Raimi films I remember enjoying. Yeah. But never really going crazy over them. Like I had all of them on oh, wow. DVD and whatever and rewatched the yeah, hell yeah. out of them, but it wasn't like I don't know. It just didn't have the same feel. And I don't know mm. it's going to be a take. But I think it tracks with what I said in No Way Home that Toby as Spidey never really hit never me. did it for you yeah. oh wow yeah and if we wow. if, and i believe if we go back to the no way home episode that tracks with what i said because it's i i, I don't believe know. you i get i get why people like that representation yeah but yeah i don't know it's just something about it wow okay yeah didn't not what I expected, but still a great answer. Yeah. Because it flies in the face of what I would, my, my answer. Yeah. My, I was going to say, where, where like were you out of my mind. on that? Yeah. I was just so, I was, um, it's like X-Men had come out. Yep. You know? And I was like, oh, they made a good X-Men movie, but, uh, you know, they had to change the costumes and stuff. Like, it was like, I think it was, it was like, okay, we understand that in order to get a movie about comic book franchise that we love, they have to like change it because, you know, they can't put Wolverine in a blue and yellow suit and, you know, they have to make it cooler mm-hmm. or whatever. But then Spider Man came spandex. out and it just felt like a comic All book. Of the spandex. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Or whatever those But like Spider Man but like Raimi just like totally embraced the goofiness of Spider Man, more yeah. or less, I thought. And it was like you know, and it may be something that didn't play well for you, but if you think about the tone of that first movie is so like, it's like half camp, like there's like silliness and like yeah. the way Toby is playing Peter Parker is like so not cool. Like it's not like a cool movie, really, you know? Like you didn't try to make like, we got to make this so cool and slick and blah, 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 blah. But you just made like a Spider-Man movie, <laughs> like right. a comic book movie, really. Um. And it's kind of shocking that, like they were talking about this in the podcast, it's shocking that the studio let him make the movie like that, especially coming off X-Men, where it's like, they're wearing black leather suits and they're so cool and blah, we're like a, yeah. you know. They had to make well, that they, they saved all that bullshit for Spider-Man 3. Yes. Yeah. And I haven't gotten to the episode on Spider-Man 3 yet, <laughs> but I'm sure that's going to be quite uh, quite interesting. And it's just like... Yeah, what was the name the of that pod? Blank Check with Griffin and David. It's really good. Yeah, I think you talked um, about that last week too. Uh I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. Um and you know, like thinking about it now, it's like a, it's it changed it's the movie that changed Hollywood. Like it gave us what we have now, I think. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to explain to somebody even ten years younger than us that like, oh no, this we were this was a huge a huge deal be, that they're making a Spider Man movie. Like we never, you know, and you know, because those like those concessions about the black suits and stuff. I was like, 
hey, whatever it takes for them to make an X-Men movie, <laughs> right. great. I just want one in my life. Yeah. Like, I don't care if they're not wearing the colored suits. I just give me an X-Men movie. But then to get like, oh, Spider-Man and he's bright yellow and or not ye- yellow, bright red and blue. And, you know, all this like this like looks like Spider-Man. He acts he's goofy. He's a nerd like he's not. They didn't make him like a cool kid. <laughs> you know, they just right. made him a goofball nerd at the same like, oh, this is Spider-Man. You know, it's just meanwhile, James Franco plays cool. Harry like, yeah, the the straight man. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. Willem Dafoe um, just so, does Willem Dafoe thing. So that it's so it is weird because like looking back on it, I don't know if it's the nostalgia or what or but the the whole movie itself I can look back on like lovingly and you know, sure. dote on it. But yeah, I remember when it came out it was just like, Okay, cool, they made a Spider Man movie. Wow, yeah. And I don't know if I had just been, I don't know what it was. Were you maybe more like disconnected from your nerd love at that time? It might have been, yeah, it might have been like a downtime. Yeah. Because like toward the end of high school and early college, like that wasn't really in the wheelhouse. And then I remember in college, X3 or X2 came out and like going to see that with my friends at in college on like opening night or opening weekend in uh rotterdam mall in uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so it was a union at the time and i'm like oh this yeah. tiny little theater in rotterdam mall okay let's go okay and yeah. it was great and like it was an yeah. experience but yeah i don't know so give me now that we're having this conversation and your answer is different than i thought and i feel like now Okay, I'm, I'm stop yeah, talking. Yeah, rabbit hole it. Give, give me your, off the top of your head, Yep. top top three Spider-Man movies. Top three Spider-Man movies. Or or five, if you need to go to five. With or without Spider-Verse, because that's guaranteed oh, number with, one. Um, yeah, okay, same here. After hearing you talk, I think Across is number two, but we can't put it in yet. Um no, you haven't seen it. No, not <laughs> omitting across the Spider Verse, obviously, because you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it probably, I mean, maybe the nineteen seventy eight nope. Japanese one. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, not That's at all. Joke, right? Yeah, I was gonna yes. say. No, no that, way. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I remember right, that was so ridiculous it wasn't even funny. Um, yeah. It's got to be. I mean, that that Spider Man has to be the number two, or does it? I I don't know. Like Homecoming's right there. It's, yeah, Homecoming was Home, Homecoming's my number three. I was gonna I say think. Homecoming might be two for me. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. And then probably Spider Man two. Okay. Yeah. All right, so there's a Raimi movie in your top three. That's yeah. what I was. That's what I asked because I wasn't sure. Well, and there you know, because I like Raimi. Like, I, yeah, I love yeah. what Raimi does, but for some reason, that one, yeah, yeah. Well, there has been because of, I think, because the tone of that movie is so n- now not what superhero movies are at all. Like, right. you know, no, no movie that they make now about Spider-Man is gonna feel like that first Spider-Man movie ever <laughs> again. Um, no, the closest you'd come is like She-Hulk or Deadpool. 
Well, yeah, probably, but not like Deadpool. Like, like, like Deadpool's the, the like, over-the-top version of that. Yes. Yeah. Like crank sure. spinal tap like, that and just crank it up to eleven, and you get Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I guess, and as certainly as far as like, um, characterizations, right? Like as far like specific to each character, but like the way Toby plays Peter Parker is just like. Like so, like soft, kind of, you know, and he's not. Yeah, he's like an introverted, like gentle, like version of Peter Parker. He's not like loud in any way, which yeah. is so. And it's cool that like, like they're kind of talking about this podcast too. And I didn't realize at the time, but like when he shows up in, spoiler alert, when he shows up in No Way Home. He hasn't changed that at all. Like he's still playing the exact same yeah. quiet, reserved Peter, which is like really cool. But if you, you're, we're never going to see a Peter Parker like that ever again. Um, I, but, but I think because of because of that, I think there has been uh, people who kind of look down on the Raimi movies a little bit. Spider-Man 2 is kind of a standout across the board. Right. It's great. But um, but I think people have, like not hate, but like kind of shove the Raimi movies aside in favor of something a little slicker like the Garfield movies or Tom Holland stuff, you know. Well, I um, think I think any of the Garfield movie love is very new. Yeah, well, I remember, certainly like, for the amazing two, the second one. Right, the first one was was solid. The yeah. second, but one it also was, came out at a time when we just saw three, like three years before or whatever. Like we right. don't that like there was a backlash against restarting it at all. Yeah, yeah, and redoing the origin story and the whole blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you know that um, James Cameron wanted to direct the first Spider-Man movie? No. And he actually wrote a script, and he's the one that had the idea for the organic uh, web shooters. That's like his biggest contribution that stayed in the script that made it all the way to the finished product. Um, And apparently, for a long time, the frontrunner to direct was... Oh, I just had his name in my head. David Fincher. That would be a very different movie. A very different movie, right? A very different yeah. movie. And it would be probably more like slick and trying to be cool. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, that. But again, I would have taken that. Like I said, like any at that at that time in my life or in the world when they weren't cranking out Spider-Man movies every two years, it was a you're making a Spider-Man movie. I'll take any way you can give it to me. Well, put think them all about in that black and it's too, like whatever. Fincher's coming off Fight Club, probably at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Which was seven and why... then Fight Club. Like that's that's a feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been wild. That would have been wild, and it would have been radically different in tone and style and yeah. everything. Huh. Uh, well, I'm glad. Anyway. I could, I'm glad I could blow your mind with my answer there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's making me want to go back and rewatch. Like I rewatched. I was kind of just thinking I that re- of like now I kind of want to go back and see that again. Just yeah, to- I re I rewatched all of them before No Way Home came out. Okay. At least the first two. I don't. I think I ever want to sit through three <laughs> again. Um, there's a good movie in there somewhere, but no. That, um, like we said, there's three good movies in there. They just shoved them all yeah. into one. Which I think, from all reports, and again, I haven't listened to the podcast episode about three. I definitely will be doing that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that was just because of studio interference. Yeah, the, and, the whole Venom story is from the studio. Yeah. Right, and I think, like, they mentioned, I think 
in this podcast, they did mention that they interpret the way he handled Eddie Brock and Venom. Like, okay, you're forcing me to do this. I'm going to do it in a way that I want to do it and not in the way that anyone's expecting me to do. I'm not going to make a big hulking brute Brock Sampson. I'm not going to make Venom huge or whatever. Like, it's just going to be like, yeah, I'll fine. I'll do it, but I'm going to do it in the Sam Raimiest way. And (laughs) you know that I, that I'm going to do it. And as a, like kind of like an F you back to the studio, like fine, I'll do it, but this is how I'm going to do it. Right. And yeah. Um, speaking of Deadpool, I was going to say, speaking of FUs and FUs, these are unconfirmed reports that came out this week. Um, Steve sent them my way. Unconfirmed reports that, uh, James Martin, Famke Jansen and Halle Berry may be reprising their roles as Cyclops, Jean Grey and Storm in Deadpool three. I would not be surprised at all if this was what they were doing. Like the second you get Hugh Jackman, like, oh, who else can we get? Who else yeah. can, you know, can we finally give this Deadpool X-Men team up movie that we want? Um, well, and even if it's just a quick cameo or whatever, when they're flipping through the multiverse, yeah. it would still yeah, be sure. cool to see them, you know, suited up or whatever. Yeah. Could just be like in the Deadpool yeah. movie where they uh, open up the, like, whatever, when they opened up one of Xavier's classrooms there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, that's yeah, great. Something, something they simple. Silently like close the door. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, this could be anything. Like we know, like I feel like I'm. My expectations are that he's going to run through a universe from his into you know uh, the one where Wolverine is or whatever to get him, and maybe when he gets Wolverine, then the others will be there. Who knows? Um, who knows? Well, yeah, I guess my guess is that it's more cameo. It's more in the neighborhood of cameo than it is like, uh, you know, big, big part character, you know, big like storyline for these characters. I think it's probably more cameo um, in nature. Also hearing um, the rumor that we're going to get the return of a Fox X-Men universe villain, possibly uh, the return of an MCU villain as well, but not one that is... Um, on the forefront of anybody's minds, like a, you know, right. And th- again, these are unconfirmed reports from like someone who claims to be a scooper online that, uh, I don't know the validity of validity of any of these claims. The, certainly the, the other X-Men actors, that seems like a no brainer. If you're getting Wolverine, you want to get other people too. Right. Um, and if this gives, a, if this closes the door on the Fox universe better than dark Phoenix did, then I am all in. <laughs> All in on this happening. Spoiler alert, Mike. I don't know if it's possible to close it worse than that. Um, there's not too many movies that I've seen that I left the theater angry that I saw that movie, and but Dark Phoenix was one of them. And it wasn't that it was just... I mean, it was bad. But I wasn't angry at how bad it was. I was angry at how... Uh, just like what a waste of time it was, I guess. Yep. I felt like it just I we all knew that it was the last one that of those that they were going to make and they just didn't do anything that was worthy of that no. at all. And I was no. just mad that they didn't take any big swings or it was just like the safest movie ever. <laughs> it just sucked. They made um, a movie. That's yeah, about all movie. I can say. Somehow they made a movie. I actually I can't um, wait until um I think I was telling you, uh, podcast-wise, uh, another Syracuse-based podcast, the uh, Superpod Hero Cast. Yeah, they do like movie rundowns. 
I can't wait until they get to uh, like any any of that or Spidey Three or whatever to um, just rip apart. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man Three, like I always kind of had a soft spot for. I remember being speaking of like hype. Yeah, going into a movie, I was out of my mind seeing Spider Man Three. Mm-hmm. Like I was like because. Specifically in Spider-Man 2, at the end of Spider-Man 2, when Harry throws that knife into the mirror, yeah, yeah. He's, he's seeing the reflect, he's seeing the spirit of his dad talking to him, and the mirror breaks and it like leads into the lair and he finds the green goblin stuff. I was like, holy shit, they're doing the Harry Goblin shit, and that's gonna be what the third one is. I'm so excited. Like I lost my yep. mind in the theater. Embarrassed the girl that I was with. <laughs> like to no end so i was so hyped for spider-man 3 and some of it i liked some of it was not great and even on the last time i watched it i re- i was like oh the bad parts are real bad but you know those three the main three are really doing good work like acting wise like they're not acting like this is a terrible movie like mm-hmm. they don't know this is a bad they're they don't know they're in a bad movie like they're right. giving it their all. That's McGuire, Dunst, and Franco. They're like they're really doing a good job. It's just too much. Too much is happening. There's like then the dialogue at the the big fight in the end is horrible. It's just mm-hmm. really really bad. It makes no sense. So much of it makes no sense. Anyway, but that's those like the movies. Like even when we did our Star Wars uh, rankings for May the Fourth with our friend of the pod, Matt Peseta. It's almost more fun talking about a bad movie than talking about a good one, you know? Because if you're in a yeah. group of people and you're like, yeah, that movie's great. Yep, we, it's great. There's nothing else to say about it. We all love it. But then you're like, oh, that movie sucks. Let's talk about all the reasons that it's like it's more fun <laughs> complaining about a bad movie. So like I almost enjoy listening to podcasts about bad movies more than I enjoy listening to podcasts. Um, almost. Yeah. No, it's... Almost. it's just like a different energy. Yeah. It is, and yeah. finding the different points of a movie that people think are bad, also a very yeah. different. Like, yeah, you may agree it's a bad movie. You may not agree on what parts you think of the bad movie. Right, exactly, and that's similar to I'm sure Spider-Man Three is part of this, but like again, going back to when we were ranking our Star Wars things, it's like it's all like everyone agrees Rise of Skywalker is not great, but everyone, not everyone agrees on what doesn't make it great. Right, you know what I mean? Like, and how not great it is. Yeah, or the sequels in general, like people like the guys on Star Wars Minute say this all the time where they're like, everyone agrees there's like in Force Awakens, there's too much fan service. Nobody agrees, you know, on the percentage of too much fan service or what is what is what counts as fan service or but, you know, anyway, moving from movies and television into comics. J. Michael Straczynski announced as the new Captain America writer. Straczynski is known uh, for a lot of work uh, at the big two, including a six-year run on Spider-Man. He's also written uh, big runs on Thor, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, Squadron Supreme, and over at DC, he's worked on Superman, Wonder Woman, Brave and the Bold, and he did a couple Watchmen spinoffs um, early 2000s before Watchmen. Um, and now he's going to be... Back on back with Marvel and on Captain America. 
uh, about the series. He was quoted saying, overall, the goal is to do some really challenging stories, some really fun stories, and to get inside Steve's head to see who he really is in ways that may not have been fully explored before. If folks like what I did with Peter in Amazing Spider-Man and with Thor in Thor, then they should give this a shot because I'm really swinging for the bleachers on this one. Now, this run is going to replace the current... There's two Captain America books running. It's like Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, and Captain America something else. I don't remember what the other subtitle is, but there's two Cap books right now. Um, this is going to replace at least one of those, and it's going to be Captain America number one, new number one, uh, coming out September 20th uh, with Jesus Says on art. Mm, there and, you go. Um, yeah, so Steve, you're a Marvel guy. I mean, I'm not I'm not, not a Marvel guy, but you read more Marvel than me. Uh Straczynski's works on Spider-Man or Thor or anything and I mean I know his name I don't know that I've read much of what he's written I'm, I think I've read a few of his Spider-Man books but um, do you have big well, opinions you might be, on him? Or you might you... be familiar with uh, Superman Earth 1 uh, yeah I've read a little bit his... of Superman Earth 1 yeah that's the one that he did the some of the, he did, he did some Watchmen spinoffs too I think for DC yep yeah but, um, Watchmen stuff for better or for worse he was the one who wrote one more day. Yeah. So that when I was looking up his, his biography, I mean, he had some highs with Spidey, but he had some lows too. So as long as, as long as we don't get yeah. a captain America, one more day, we should be okay. Yeah. But also like one more day stuff. I feel like that came from on high. Don't you think that was like a corporate? Might thing? Have, yeah. You know, like it's it seems like because that's when like before the Tom Holland thing wasn't that right before the Tom Holland movies came out or was that um, I think 2007 the, so I'm not ago? sure oh, okay when so the first ago. Holland movie came out well I think well that would have been right around when they were rebooting rebooting it I think Homecoming Maybe, is 2017 didn't Spider Man three come out in 2007. I don't know. Uh, I feel like maybe yeah, they were right maybe they knew the movies were rebooting and then they're like, "Oh, well, we can't have like it was just a classic thing like we can't have Spider-Man be an adult and be married and right. happy. He's got to be a struggling kid." Like they just they're doing right now. They're getting they're getting they're divorcing him from Mary Jane and taking all that stuff away, which is but yeah, um what what is it going to take to get Spider-Man to just continue an arc instead of resetting yeah, him every time? I know, I know. It's just I know I've said this before, but every t- I there's been so many times that I try to get back into Spider-Man. And I pick up a book and I look at the first few pages and I'm like, this doesn't look like this doesn't feel like Spider-Man to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like Spider-Man to me is like, you know, uh, somebody's robbing a bank on this side of town, but I have a meeting with I have a job interview on the other side of town. Right. And I can't do both, but I have to stop this guy. So I know that this is going to, you know, like he, whatever villain he has to stop, he has to do it in a way that's going to ruin his personal life <laughs> in some way, you know? Yep. And I feel like most modern Spider-Man books are like, he's got a cool tech suit from Norman Osborn or from Tony Stark. And he's got all these, you know, he's fighting, there's aliens and stuff like, ah, I don't know. Just give me like, just give me, you know, he's. Aunt May needs medicine or something, and he's got a whatever. You know, yep. he forgets to buy eggs. <laughs> I don't know. Because he's, you know, you're, you're just, 
fighting Green Goblin while trying not to break the carton of eggs that he got from the store. Like, stuff like that. Like, yep. that's Spider-Man. I don't know. And I know you can't make a full issue of Spider-Man about him not breaking eggs. But, you know, you probably could. You could. You I mean, could. They, uh, the last run of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man I read was kind of in that vein. I know. I keep, I got to read Friendly Neighborhood. Is that Tom Taylor? Did he write all that? Uh, he wrote some of it, didn't he? Yeah, let me see. He did. Oh, no, that's yeah, a, he did volume two. Straczynski did. Okay. Peter David Straczynski did volume one. Um, oh, any relation? No, Peter David and J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, um, oh, okay. They right. wrote the right. first, yeah. Oh, so. so definitely relation because they're the same person. Yes. Total relation. 100% relation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are related. Uh, cool. Yeah. Friendly Neighborhood is a title I keep hearing good stuff about. I feel like I should get a trade of it. Or at least maybe just the Tom think, Taylor one because I know. Tom I think Taylor's I actually great. have some floppy, like the, the floppies of the first six or so Tom Taylor ones. Oh, nice. So There's me, one of those early Tom Taylor up. ones that is like revered as like one of the best issues of spider-man ever i think it's like i think it might number six i don't know hmm. i don't know there's a doesn't is there one where he there's like a little spider sidekick or something that shows up and it seems uh, weird but then it becomes incredible i don't know that's what i've heard about. And, i never read it uh, who the hell is he working with uh there's a lot of him and johnny storm Oh, okay. I don't know. I've never read like, it. I think I, I think Johnny Storm I've moves read. in with him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's there's some there's some stuff. All right, cool. I'll check it out sometime. Speaking of comics, this week in your local comic book store, we got Adventures of Superman, John Kent number four, Batman number one thirty six, Blood Tree number five, Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number thirteen, Daredevil number twelve. Deadpool, Batter Blood, number one. Fantastic Four, number eight. Flash, number 800. Godfell, number four. Hell to Pay, number five. I Hate This Place, number nine. Immortal X-Men, number 12. In Hell, We Fight, number one. Super cool uh, title. Yeah. Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number nine. Joker Uncovered, number one. That's a one-shot. Not sure what that is. Uh, Junk Rabbit. I didn't write the number down. Maybe it's number one. Loki, number one. Money Shot Comes Again, number two. Peacemaker Tries Hard, number two. I read the first issue of Peacemaker Tries Hard, and I thought it was hilarious and great. So I will probably pick up Peacemaker Tries Hard, number two. Super fun. Uh, Poison Ivy, number 13. Now an official ongoing book at DC. Uh, Pick up Poison Ivy. Uh, You will not regret it. Red Goblin, number five. Shazam, number two. Spider-Man, number nine. Star Trek Defiant, number four. Star Wars, 35. Star Wars Yoda, number eight. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter, number one. Okay. What is that? I don't know, but sounds wild. Uh, Venom, number 20. X-Men, number 23. And You've Been Canceled, number one. It's a lot going on in uh, the world of comics this week. Steve, you picking up any of these, or have you read anything recently that's worth mentioning? Uh, Yoda 8's on the poll. That might actually be the only poll book I've got on here. Now that I'm yeah, I think it. Oh, I Daredevil. got Batman. Yeah. Still, I'm still pulling the ongoing Daredevil. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Batman. Yeah, I got but... Batman and Poison Ivy. I thought about canceling my Poison Ivy because just to, like, trim down, like, I'm, I just, I need to... <laughs> I need to back <laughs> off for a little bit. I feel like I've been buying too much stuff lately. Um, 
but uh it's just so good like i read number 12 and i was like oh this is great and it's not really wrapping everything's up so i should keep reading it i don't know it's tough um oh that's like i said peace yeah keep going no i was like i said peacemaker i'll probably um grab and uh yeah i don't know i think that's it i feel like i've been buying a lot of like back issues lately like we talked about those garage sale finds that um we found last week and stuff so i haven't uh done too much with those yet but uh, so, what do you got? You're holding Daredevil ooh, Ten. Daredevil. Oh, Kevin Eastman the, cover. Oh, whoa! From Eastman and Laird, Ninja Turtle creator fame. So his uh, his first cover he's doing. I think he's on deck for a couple of uh, covers for Marvel. Mm-hmm. But fittingly, because of the influence for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Daredevil number ten was the first one that he's done. Oh, sure. So, yeah. Yeah, it's got um, that kind of classic Eastman style. Yeah, for sure. So, I'm sure he was excited to do a Daredevil cover. Yeah. Because clearly they were big fans of Daredevil. Right, right. Um, and they, they, wrote, they made a whole, uh, their entirety of work off of being fans of Daredevil. Yeah. Worked yeah, for those okay. of you who don't know, we're talking about the, um, the canister of chemicals that hit Matt Murdock in the face as a child and blinded him. Um, according to Ninja Turtles lore is this is not official because they're owned by different companies. But um, according to the creators, that same canister that blinded Matt Murdock, then uh, sewer and uh, soaked some um, pet turtles and mutated them into mm-hmm. the Ninja Turtles. Um, so uh, that's how they created those characters. And there's always been there's been like plenty of references over the years to Daredevil in Turtles comics and things like that. So. Uh, very cool that the creators uh, finally got to do a Daredevil cover. I mean, I guess I don't know if he's ever done any artwork officially, right. but it's cool. Cool nonetheless. Yeah, they... So for anyone that isn't familiar with Turtle, the the Turtles and where they originated, uh, the concept, quote-unquote, parodied several elements popular in superhero comics at the time. The teenagers from the New Teen Titans, the mutants of the Uncanny mm-hmm. X-Men, and the ninjas of Daredevil, combined with the yeah. comic tradition of funny animals like howard the duck yeah making them turtles right <laughs> yeah so yeah that's how they ended up turtles and ninjas and mutants and teenage because at the yeah, time genius that was all those were poking through the the comic book zeitgeist and yeah let's, let's take these it. four things that are popular roll them into one thing yeah. and make billions of dollars <laughs> done yeah yep. wild Wild and crazy. Oh, we got I no one. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, what? when I was in Maine this weekend, um, I completely mm-hmm. forgot to uh, to mention this. Um, was up in Maine with a good friend of the pod, Adam Karki, and a couple of their friends. Yeah. We ended up going into a comic shop. Uh, they had a nine eight TMNT one. Whoa! I want you much? to tell me what the price was. Oh, jeez! I don't know. I've never looked up. Uh, number one. So the original Eastman and Laird yep. run, where it's like mostly black and white. Yeah, the covers the them on the rooftop in the kind of red haze. Yep. Yep. Because the first run was mostly black and white with just like red, right? right? Like yep. all their all their masks were red. They did not. Yep. They didn't have different colors or anything like that. That was a cartoon invention. Right. Um, how much would that be? Nine point eight. Um, three hundred thousand dollars. 
No. Yeah. Uh, way over. Overshooting? Uh, okay, way over. I don't know. <laughs> I was, just think about like action comics is like yeah, $3 million like, or something. You know? so, like, I think it was like sixteen fifty. Okay, that's still a lot of money. Yeah. I was, I was like, way overshooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 300K. If that was like Spidey. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But yeah, for the turtle, it was like we're, we're sitting there looking at it. I'm like, I don't have that money, but that's a really, no. really cool book. Yeah, that is a really cool book. Yeah, that's way too. That, yeah, I was way overestimating. Yeah, they. Um, so Go Collect has the. Oh, well, maybe that wasn't a 9 8 that I'm thinking of. Or maybe I should have why? bought it because a 9 6 sold for 54K. Whoa. Yeah, maybe I should have bought that. Maybe you should be driving f- back up to Maine. <laughs> a 4 0 is 6,500 bucks. Whoa. Huh. That was a deal. Graded 6 0 sold for 12K. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to drive back up the main with me, let me know. Hey, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. I don't know much about uh, beer, but if you're going to Maine for a comic book run, <laughs> I'm in. Crazy. Wow. wow. Sorry. Now That's I'm crazy. down the rabbit hole looking at these. I'm like, yeah. Huh. Oh. <laughs> mm. uh, no problem, Steve. That's all I got. I think we are uh, done for the night. Like we said, it's a little bit of slow news week but we filled the time talking about spider-man and all kinds of other stuff oh but always we we always find a way to find a way to fill the time we do our best but i think that's i think that's all i got i'm tapped out and i uh, i feel like you've been yawning you're probably aching to get to sleep so let's wrap this thing up yeah we uh we came back from said uh main trip today so it's been a yeah. been a long day um yeah for sure so yeah uh if you would like to keep in touch with us feel free to like subscribe um maybe leave us an email the multiverse support at gmail.com uh check us out on the socials the multiverse support uh multiverse rpt on twitter beyond that um like subscribe leave us a review on apple podcasts or youtube uh both help the masses find us via various algorithms that i don't understand and i doubt mike does either <laughs> so not at all yep um so yeah uh that's about all i got That's all I got, too. So until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.